Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. It is March the 10th, 2022, and this is episode 80 of the workshop podcast. And it's another edition of our ongoing Thursday night series of preparedness. So tonight we're going to talk about landscape maintenance, outdoor stuff, the whole works. Got a whole bunch of tips for you. But before we dive into that, we got to get the housekeeping out of the way. So we are going to give you a couple announcements. First off, it is uh, Telegram. I've said it and I keep saying it. I love the Telegram group. It is an absolutely incredible area for us to sit around, chat, shoot the shit, share our ideas, anything and everything that... Yeah, it's just great. I love being able to put things out there, ask for suggestions. I learn as much as I share. So drop by, grab the link from the description, come by and join us. Number two, and we're making headway, well, kind of, uh, <laughs> in my goal, my big, hairy, audacious goal of getting micro on the podcast. So we've been pushing it out there. If you haven't shared the video yet, go ahead and share it. Tag micro in it, the whole works. We're going to get him there. So I decided to take it upon myself to send an email to uh, micro's representatives and ask him to come on my show and they politely declined. So I actually have a, a letter of decline from micro's representatives so far. <laughs> so at least as uh, Brian Norton says, at least they know you're alive at this point and I'm just going to keep pushing. So help me get there. We will get him on this show. Uh, it's just a fun thing to do and I'm going to enjoy it. And if you guys aren't following PBN, the Prepper Broadcast Network yet, or if you haven't added them to your podcatcher, do me a favor and do it. The, the content that comes out of the community, I'm a huge part of at this point. I, I love it. It's awesome. The highlight this week, I always hate to highlight these guys because I highlight them all the time, but uh, Ryan and Colin from the Next Generation Podcast, they did, of course, with the price of gas being as high as it is, they did a, a, a bug out bike. 2.0 episode. So they they basically, he, he spent the whole episode breaking down the costs, the availability. And the cool thing was all the different onboard storage of having, you know, pedal bikes, electric bikes, hybrid bikes, whole work. So it was a great episode. And if you haven't checked it out, do yourself a favor and do that. And I realize we don't have our beautiful branding up here on the site tonight. So let's bring that up while we're at it. If it'll show up and it didn't. There we go. There. Uh, must be uh, the uh, the hamsters are tired tonight. They're, they're not wheeling up real good. So anyway, I know for you guys uh, that live where it's warm uh, and you get outside all the time, all the better. And you probably, I mean, you probably don't take your outdoors for granted, but maybe you do a little bit more than if you live in the place that's, you know, closer to Santa Claus than the equator, like we do up here. Hey, Chris. So when we do finally get to get outdoors, we really enjoy it. We, we we thrive. It just makes you feel alive after being indoors, suffering from minus 40, minus 30, minus 20, whatever it happens to be. So I spend a lot of time in the summer, every minute I can in the long days out there working. And I've picked up a lot of tips. There's just a lot of things. And tonight's going to be, I mean, it's the same as all the other repairedness episodes, but this one will be geared slightly more toward leisure, whereas everything else has been geared toward getting the house. <laughs> Chris Dixon says Santa's a neighbor of his. A good neighbor. Good. You want to be on good terms with that man, I'm telling you. 
mostly all the other episodes have been, you know, uh, focusing on maintenance and just the inner workings and kind of the boring part of it. But outdoor, no matter what we do out there, for me, even the hard work is enjoyable. But we're just, yeah, we're going to go through some of the different systems and we're going to talk about fences and decks and gardens and flowers and driveways. We're going to work our way through it. And then I have, if we get to it, a list of 20 random hints, trip, trip. <laughs> try that again, Tim. Hints, tips, and tricks that I've picked up over the years doing landscaping, gardening, mowing, outdoor work for myself and for customers. So we'll work our way through it. So when we're dealing with outdoors, you know, there's shade, shelter, comfort, and of course, productivity. Hey, we've got uh, the uh, Filipino, <laughs> Filipino nomad in here. Hey, Mike, how are you? Nice to see you. But when you're designing the backyard, of course, something that not every, and you know, again, the way your house lays and the way everything is can be a bit tricky, but pay attention, of course, to where the sun shines. You know, our property goes east to west. And so all day long, about three quarters of the day, the backyard has really good southern exposure, which is great for growing, but it's also really, really hot. And so you need to build some shade or at least a little bit of shade cover so that you're not sitting there and baking and blinding yourself, that kind of thing. Now for me, and maybe it's because I'm 40, but my idea of anything exterior for the home, I want it to be as maintenance-free as possible. Not that I'm getting any younger, but I can promise you that I don't want to be crawling up a, a ladder, having to a paint, you know, a second-story home or needing to replace boards all the time or even mowing any more than I have to. Geez, people pay me to mow and I don't want to mow any more than I have to. I keep trying to talk Becky into letting me put gravel down in the entire backyard, but she hasn't gone for it yet. <laughs> but when you're thinking about this stuff, of course, you know, the idea is we want to be able to get out there. We want to be able to enjoy our day. We want to be able to enjoy just the weather. And there's only so many days. So to me, why make more work than you have to? And we got, man, we got a good crowd in here tonight, even in Martinson family, uh, even Brian from Lots Project. And uh, I'm sure I've missed a couple more already. So the first thing I thought we'd talk about, you guys always seem to love my lists of tools, but I went through and made a list of all the uh, heavy duty outdoor hand tool. Most of these are hand tools, but the stuff that I've used and that has suited me well for doing landscaping, gardening, mowing, that kind of stuff. Uh, the first tip, of course, you guys have heard me talk about this before, but uh, anything I buy at this point in my life needs to be Tim proof. And that story came simply from one day I was bragging up the shovel that Becky bought me. I was digging out the cover to a septic system. And I said, honey, it's the best shovel that I've ever owned. And right on target, right there, snap, handle snapped right in half. So from that day forth, I decided I would make sure all my tools had either metal or fiberglass handles. And they work. Although one time I was splitting wood with a fiberglass axe in the middle of winter and split the handle all to pieces. So. Yeah. Uh, Chris says, uh, Arizona desert landscaping is becoming a hot thing here. Water isn't getting any cheaper. And that's true. And if it's something, again, also, the least amount of resources we can use, because you just don't know, the last two summers here were nearly drought. Now, of course, we've got quite a bit of moisture in the form of snow sitting on the ground right now. But yes, <laughs> 
uh, Carrie Brown says one piece Fisker shovel, slight ergonomic curve. Those are great. I have one from a uh, crappy tire or Canadian tires. We call it up here and I'm sure it's based right on the Fisker uh, model. And if you're looking for a good shovel, man, you guys know I could talk about this stuff all day, but look for the ones with the nice, heavy, I don't know what you want to call them, little step pusher on them so they don't come up completely flat so that they basically try to decapitate your toes when you're pushing on them. Try to have something that pushes good. And a lot of the, the dirt mover ones are really nice because they come up with a like a U-shape on the sides and you can move a lot of soil that way. But so first off, look for look for a good leaf rake. Those are indispensable. I use, we have these nice, up here, here's the problem. A lot of the nice tools you guys have south of the border, I have comparable models up here, but the brand's different. So we have Garant, and I'm not even sure if you guys have that one down there, but they make a really good heavy-duty tool. And this one is a, a aluminum handle with rubber coated, and it's really wide with uh, about three-quarter-inch metal tines. They look like they're made out of sheet metal, but they're permanently bent. These last 10 times as long as your typical old standard kind of spiny one. So if you can find one of those, I use them to, to dethatch lawns in the, in the summer or in the spring, sorry. And they're perfect for getting up all that dead junk. Uh, get yourself a good garden rake. Again, for me, the longer, the better. Uh, not much more to be said about that. Although I did buy a fiberglass handled one from Walmart and ended up breaking the handle. So they're not perfectly tim proof. Uh, and then you need yourself a dirty hoe. I mean, just a hoe, <laughs> especially if you're doing a lot of gardening. I had a customer a couple of summers ago. She ended up uh, breaking her shoulder and she put in 500 hills of potatoes. And you know how once potatoes start growing and they get a little exposed to the sun, you need to hoe everything back in. Well, she ended up hiring me to do that. And I used my hoe, worked great. Got a good set of blisters on my hands when I was done. Um, an edger, that might be one of the few tools I've bought the last few years that wasn't a fiberglass handle. I bought a fiberglass one and the thing was miserable. I couldn't get it to work right. It was shaped funny. So I ended up taking it back and bought a wood handled one and it served me well. I don't do a ton of manual edging. We're going to talk about renting some gear as well because yeah, that can save you a lot of time and money. Uh, actually, just this, just yesterday, we ended up kind of having... A, I hate to call it a snow emergency, but it kind of was, but I won't get into what happened, but we ended up having to move a whole bunch of snow. So we went out and rented a skid steer or a bobcat. First time I've ever actually learned how to use one because when I've rented them before, I've always let my workers run it that have been trained on them, but they're, they're great. Um, good quality wheelbarrow. Mine came from the dump simply because all it had was a flat tire and it was solid steel. If you can find yourself a really good steel one, those are the best to have. Now, geez, the ones with the wooden handles, they're kind of shitty. Uh, all plastic, eh, you know. But if you can find an old one, at again, at Brian's favorite estate sales or yard sales, those are the ones to pick up because you can baby them for years. A little bit of spray paint, and we'll talk about a couple other things. Uh, good quality hose. Mentioned a little more about that later on, but uh, find yourself a good mower too. Figure out what you need. I've fallen in love with the DeWalt battery-powered mowers this summer. They're incredible. And for probably 75% of people, you'll have no problem at all. And Carrie Brown was in here earlier. I think Carrie has been using some of the DeWalt um, weed trimmers as well, and those are great. I will talk about them in a bit. Uh, loppers, 
that is an area to never skimp on. I went and bought some nice aluminum ones a couple of years ago, and they have slide-out extension handles. They're okay, but it was more of a gimmick. And the biggest problem is, is the push button to extend them is kind of in the way when I'm using them. But get yourself a, a nice heavy-duty, the heaviest pair of loppers you can get. They're absolutely awesome, and they work great. And then a set of hand cutters. You guys remember Brutus the Barber Beefcake from WWF Wrestling? That's what he used to use for cutting people's hair. Those are awesome. You can actually, the very first summer that I got started doing this kind of stuff, we used a pair of those and a cheap little electric hedge trimmer to do them. And if you have them sharp and getting them, uh, have them sharp and oiled up good, I mean, you can't go as fast as a hedge trimmer, but if that's all you have, you make it work. Something else people don't think about is a good heavy-duty garbage can or a garbage bag holder because you need a way to put everything, just all your debris and stuff in there. And I fought with this for years, but for me, the one that I like the best are the wire garbage can garbage bag holders. They come up and they're spring-loaded. Just everything fits better. You load your bags quicker. There's no like suction when you try to pull them out of the garbage can. Uh, if you want, uh, get a good uh, a good spreader. Spend money on that. Those you can buy really shitty ones. I bought a I bought a cheap one that was seized up at a yard sale a couple of years ago for two dollars, and ended up getting it working. It worked great. I I ended up upgrading eventually and passed it along to my brother in law. So you can save a lot of money doing that stuff. And then a stepladder. Stepladders are great for, you know, getting up and trimming little branches on the trees, whatever it happens to be. But um, now, here's something I used to talk about a lot in my Growing Your Business series, but why buy when you can rent? So there's a lot of gear that people are like, you know, I'd really like to have it, but I can't justify spending the money. And it's true. Sometimes you just can't. Or maybe you could invest the money somewhere else. Now, if you're buy, if you're dropping 12 quarter wood every year, then go and buy yourself a chainsaw. They're worth it. But if you're not, if all you're doing is once or twice a year, you need to trim a few trees, well, I'll bet you there's a rental place nearby that you can rent a chainsaw from. The town I grew up in, for a few years, my dad rented a chainsaw every year to junk up his wood because, simply put, it wasn't worth the investment for him. Now it is. Garden tiller? Now, I end up buying, I rent, I owned a garden tiller a few years ago. And a garden tiller and an aerator are things that you only use once or twice a year. They're great to have if you want them, but they're in the way. You have to winterize them. They're expensive. They're heavy. They're a pain in the ass. So what I do is I book all my garden tilling jobs and all my aerating jobs for a single day. Each, each one is a single day and I do all the work. So say you want to make yourself, even if you just want to break even, you need to get your garden tilled up. So figure out how much it costs and then rent it and book, say, one or two garden tilling jobs for a customer or other, you know, a neighbor or a friend. You've made your money back. Uh, Chris says, oh, let's see what this is. When I show up with my garbage can attached to my furniture dolly, people look at me weird. But after a couple hours of work, it's nice to move that. That is an incredible tip, Chris. I might just steal that from you. I bought a nice, uh, real heavy-duty aluminum dolly cart from Uline this year, and I bought the extension on it for carrying big, like, wider-sized uh, items, and that would hold a garbage can really well. That, I love that. That's a great idea. Uh, power edger. So if you have a lot of edging to do, 
a lot of times you can get a lot of work done really quick. Like this, um, the Bobcat we rented yesterday was $200 for an entire day. Think about how much work you can get done in 24 hours if you really push it. I mean, in the summer, the days are long. We're going to rent one. We're going to tear up my entire backyard this summer. Maybe I'll do a video on it. But we are going to resod the whole thing, put in irrigation, a bunch of stuff that I've never done before. We're going to run a new gas line. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's kind of where I'm coming at with tools. I, I try to switch things around. I try not to make lists too too long and too dull. But I know you guys like hearing about the tools I use. And if you have suggestions, send them my way. So when we break down the different sections of the outdoor area, they oh, we got Young Patriot. Welcome over in the EOC on PBN. So if you guys are listening from PBN, thanks for dropping in. I really appreciate it. We always have, uh, there's good people coming everywhere here. So this is great. Uh, so we're going to deal with the different sections of kind of outdoor living, what we can do. And then, like I said, I'm going to bust through a whole bunch of tips for you. I love lists because I can end up, <laughs> I always learn something out of each one, which is great. So driveways, again, make them low maintenance or as low maintenance as you can, you know, like cement or concrete or asphalt, if you can, or even a decorative gravel. But one thing you should do if you do put down gravel that I failed to do was put down a good weed barrier underneath of it. Buy the heavy duty stuff that's like um, DOT grade and you'll never, you'll, you'll never be upset because you did it. Trust me. We are going to rebuild my parking area this summer. I'm looking forward to that too, so that it doesn't slope north to south. Uh, I mean, I need it to slope a little for the rain to run away, but anyway. Um, now, here's another one. Uh, this was actually my tool of the day today. But if you own a pressure washer, you can buy these big circle. They're about 15 inches wide, and they're called a surface cleaner. They hook onto your wand, and they do... So if you've ever done... Um, so if you've ever tried to pressure wash, say, a cement surface, and no matter how careful you are, you end up getting them kind of zigzaggy lines like a like a worm on, I don't know, that's drunk or something. Well, these surface cleaners, and I figured they'd be a super specialty tool that'd be super expensive. Well, when I bought mine, it was like $45 on Amazon. I think they've almost doubled in price, but that's still cheap. They do a great job. And again, it's another tool you can buy to have for you. It's great for uh, pressure washing decks for cement slabs, for asphalt, all of that. They work great and they do an incredible uh, job. Just just great. And then again, start yourself a side hustle. Uh, Carrie Brown says DeWitt Landscape Factory, Landscape Fabric. There's also a kind that has a sort of pockets that help prevent gravel washout. I like that. And hey, Dan Warren, how are you? We've had a, a good crew in here tonight. Um, something else, uh, we're going to talk about security a little bit too for outdoor stuff. I, in the past, have almost had to, <laughs> I've been a little bit lazy about this, so I mention this because I have been, lock your cars. I mean, and don't leave shit in them that people are going to steal or be tempted to steal. You know, times are getting tough. Uh, park it in a well-lit area. Try to keep it, I don't know, just, I, I don't want to get too carried away or anything, but again, people might want to steal your gas, whatever it happens to be. So, Park in a well-lit area. We're going to talk about security as well. Uh, or uh, even, I've even thought about in my town putting an automatic gate on my back parking area. And if you knew where I am, it would work. But 
it's not practical sometimes. Anyway, we just got to just be proactive about it. I mean, you know, if you want to leave your doors unlocked in case of polar bear attacks like they do up in, I think it's Thompson, Manitoba, go for it. But don't leave any valuables in there. All right. So from there, we're going to move into lawn, backyard lawn, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and uh, Young Patriot says easy side hustle income. Absolutely. So we've talked about a couple of side hustles already. And we'll probably deal with a few more here because a lot of what I do is centered around the outdoor area. So when it comes to lawn, if you've never aerated a lawn before, now, if, again, not everyone is in the same boat. Not everybody wants to have a pristine, you know, uh, kind of little area that looks just absolutely perfect. Some people are happy with just kind of a country looking lawn and that's okay. But again, aerating is great because it can be a side hustle, but it also does a lot. It lets, um, it, it, it removes the compaction of the grass so the grass can grow better. It allows water to get down in there better. It lets air to get down in there better and it stimulates the roots. It's something that I had never done before moving to Alberta and then discovered how good it really does make lawns look. One lady I do her, uh, her snow in the wintertime, I did her neighbor's lawn that was really compacted last year. And halfway through the summer, the lawn looked like a brand new lawn. So if you want a healthy lawn, and of course a healthy lawn is great because a healthy lawn discourages weeds. It takes in water properly. It helps eliminate fire risk. All of those things are good. Uh, and Young Patriot over on PBN says, park in a garage if you can. People have been stealing catalytic converters on cars like crazy. Easy $1,000 grab. And yes. Oh, and Chris. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good tips here. So yes, and this is very important. Uh, be sure to ask about customers' irrigation or not as well. So if you... Oh man, I really... Uh, see, we had a Manitoba in here. I'll bring this up too. Uh, so <laughs> Chris says, ask about customers' irrigation. And yes, so first off, if you're going to use an aerator, set it, you know, set the narrowest depth at first. And if you've ever seen a lawn that looks like a dog went and just pooped everywhere, that's what a freshly aerated lawn looks like. Don't rake those little piles of topsoil up. Go over and mow immediately afterwards so it breaks up the soil clumps and throws it back on the grass. But yes, be very, very cognizant of the fact that there's underground sprinklers and underground water lines if you're going to irrigate or if you're going to aerate. And I've done it on a bunch of those lawns. You just have to be careful. So I was wrong. It's not Thompson. It's Churchill, Manitoba. It's <laughs> it's the mosquitoes. They're on the north edge of the killer. Uh, yeah, so it, there you are. <laughs> Drunken worm. Nice screenplay, uh, Loco says. So yeah, so just just pay attention to that when you're aerating. And, and if you've never aerated before, never seen it done, that's okay too. But it's a really cool process. I enjoy it. I just put headphones in and I go. I book it all in one day. Now, here's something else we're going to talk about a little bit more as time goes on, but uh, sod is cheaper and easier than you might think. I have seen more people get their, their backyard or yard completely flat and beautiful, and then they put grass seed in there and they struggle with it for the next three years. They water the shit out of it. It comes in patchy or rain washes it away, and when you're done... I mean, you're dealing with mud all summer long. Anyway, I have come to the point where if somebody wants me to do grass work, I do sod. I have a great place. If you're wondering how you get sod, most um, greenhouses will have them. A lot of places, they usually have like one or two days a week that they order it. 
my place, I, as long as I order by Wednesday, I get it by Friday, and I can get right down to the square foot, basically, that I need. Uh, and Chris says, use a flattened mower blade to break, break up the plugs. Keep your sharp one for grass. That's a great idea. And yes, put it on backwards. I've seen people do that before, too. And um, if you're looking to kind of dethatch your lawn, you can buy these really cool lawnmower blades that have, like, plastic strings in them. I use them. I had one old customer that always wanted me to do that every year, and I've never bought a dethatcher. So he bought one of those blades, and they work pretty darn good, actually. <laughs> and Dan says, I have a fantastic story about someone cleaning up all those soil plugs, about three acres worth. That sounds like something you would do to a worker that you really don't enjoy. <laughs> so the next one is water. So if you're ever wondering, of course, like if you've moved to a new place and... You're like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have, wonder where water's going to run. I mean, you can look at the ground, but the best time to do it, and I've done this at every property I've ever lived, is I've gone outside in a downpour and I just watch where the water goes. Watch where it pools, watch where it doesn't go, watch the place that it runs down, watch the place that it washes out, and then adjust accordingly because it's a lot easier to deal with things when you know what's going on than to just kind of leave them and let things keep washing out. Like my backyard, has like a bit of a, um, I don't know, an internal slope to it. So it, the water runs away from the house, away from the fence, and then it just naturally carries on out into the back alley. So just pay attention to that kind of stuff. And if you're going to, like I am, redo my entire backyard this summer, the last thing you want to do is remove that slope and then have to deal with a whole bunch of water going into your basement. If you just pay attention and kind of slope things the right way. You can save yourself a lot of headache. Um, now, another thing that I'm going to do this summer, and if you haven't looked at it, it's a bit of work, but I, I'm, I'm excited to put in an underground irrigation system. Or, you know, if, if you're not into that, but you do need to do some watering, again, remember, water in the early morning or the evening so that you don't lose any more than you have to do evaporation because Water is a resource. It's something that we, you know, we need to look after. And it's also getting, like Chris said, more and more expensive. Um, if you're another cute, uh, cool little tip, I love these things, splitters. I put splitters on all my outdoor taps because there's nothing worse than, so when you're trying to, you put on the, the garden hose and you're like, okay, now I'm going to take it off every time you have to, um, take one off it's a pain in the ass and i'm going to talk about these quick connects but what i love is i put up on my main garden uh, my my main outdoor spigot on the house sorry guys <laughs> i i have a three-way splitter they're great and they all have individual shutoffs which i love those are awesome because then you don't have to break your hoses or break your hand putting them on or taking them off so put a splitter on either a two-way or a three-way and make sure they have those individual shutoffs and yeah carrie says there's always more soil to move to be moved than you realize. Always. Yes. And after I rented that Bobcat, I realized I'm never going to do a front yard rehab by hand again. I'm just going to rent one and suck up the $200. And yes, Ted says I got a swale, Tim, to channel the water out to the alley. It is. And whether it was done that way on purpose or not, it seems to have kind of worked that way. And on the prairies, that kind of stuff's important because we don't have a lot of slope period to the land out here. You know, you can watch your dog run away for three days. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so, oh yeah, and water storage as well. 
Don't ever forget about how much water you can get coming off the roof of your home, coming down the gutters, down your downspout, and then it's just going to, in my instance, run down that swale and out into the back alley. So if you can divert some of that into storage, all the better. I was looking, I've been looking because I'd love to build an underground storage tank for my water or for some rainwater just to have, you know, backup for backup for backup. And apparently, in order to keep something from freezing year round, we have to bury things here three meters deep. So the top of that six foot storage container, the concrete storage container that I'd like to put underground would have to be 10 feet underground. So I'd have to dig a 16 foot hole. Uh, oh yeah. So a young Patriot says I'm getting 10 cubic yards of dirt for garden beds and planting my five new trees. <laughs> uh, yes. And they are, I, I love, yeah, topsoil is wonderful. I just love spreading it. It's so good. Uh, yeah. And uh, Chris says Calgary and red deer require permits in certain communities to save rainwater. Go figure. Well, in uh, I think Carrie Brown might have mentioned this before, but uh, it sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness and permission. And if something's in the ground, maybe it's always been there. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying go ahead and break the law. I'm just saying sometimes just don't bring attention to yourself and you're all set. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get at least a couple IBC totes this year to have above ground storage, but I would love to have an underground storage in this area that won't freeze because everything freezes here. You guys know that. And what good is, you know, a six foot by 10 foot by six foot high storage container if it freezes for six months of the year? All right. Seasonal considerations. Now, for some of you, like Ted McDonald, you know, the worst seasonal consideration you have is not getting hit in the head with a, uh, a sleeping or a slightly frozen iguana when it gets a little chilly. Uh, I'm being mean. That's not fair. I know. But uh, but remember, anything that can freeze, get it, put it away before you even think you should. Two years ago, I thought, oh, you know what? It's not going to freeze. And I ended up uh, freezing the little fitting the the municipal water fitting on the side of my camper simply because I waited just a little bit too long and it was just an overnight freeze put away your garden equipment especially your um, your hoses because I'm going to tell you buy the most expensive hose you can because you won't regret it just don't run over it with the lawnmower ask me about that take out if you got a bunch of solar lights take out the batteries if they're removable bring them inside for the for the winter it's just going to help extend the life of them because normally they use the absolute cheapest rechargeable batteries you can find. And if they do, bring them inside or replace them, whatever. Uh, here's another one for you. I'm sure Chris Dixon knows all about this, but pick up any outdoor tripping hazards before they freeze to the ground because sometimes things are so frozen you can't move them. And then all winter long, you're like, why didn't I pick up that damn thing? and you trip on it, or you break a leg, or worse than that, you suck it up into the snowblower. Now, if you live where it doesn't snow, I can appreciate that. But for us, it is one of those things. Now, another thing, this is something my dad always said, but, uh, you know, there's always a place for things, and know where those things go away in their place. So when you go in my garage, in the summertime, I have a certain place for all of my outdoor tools, you know, my shovels, my rakes, my edgers, all of that. And then when winter comes, they all go into a big plastic barrel in my storage container and the winter gear comes out. So the roof rakes, the shovels, the scoops, all of that stuff goes into my garage. 
and it has a place so that if I go in my garage and I'm looking for something and it's not where it should be, I know dumbass me left it somewhere. <laughs> now, here's another quick tip. So when you put away your seasonal furniture, <laughs> Chris says, like an extension cord I caught in my snowblower. Yep, that happens. So when I put away things like, you know, my wife has a she shed out there and that's where we put our seasonal uh, lawn furniture. Now the table, I need to take the legs off in order to get it in there. And another thing my dad always taught me, he said, when you take it off, immediately take that hardware, put it in a Ziploc bag, label the Ziploc bag, and then tape it to whatever it goes to. So that, because if you are like me and you place something somewhere and you're like, I'll remember where this will be. So I'll put it here in six months when you're ready to look for it. This old brain of mine, I can't remember worth nothing. I, uh, this funny story and I'm going to digress here, but you guys will appreciate it. I always talk about some cool things that we find in old houses and stuff that we clean up. Well, I had a Vince Carter basketball card. I put it on eBay like five months ago. It just sold yesterday for $200, which is great, except I can't find the card. And I know it was in my garage and I know I put it right where I thought I put it. So if anybody else does that kind of stuff, give me a thumbs up or something in the comments, because I have spent two days in my downtime looking for that gosh darn card and I can't find it anywhere. So I'm probably going to have to cancel the sale, but that's a long story to tell you that mark things, put them somewhere where they should be. And you can uh, kind of hack your brain that way. Uh, fences, decks, that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you're going to build a deck, make sure you have the money to build a railing as well. Yeah, Dan says, I'll hide things for myself. Yep, that's exactly it. So here's another funny story. Uh, we moved in to, that was probably, it was the second house we ever lived in when we were married. And we had a quite a high deck that didn't have a railing on it yet. And I hadn't gotten around to put it on there. And I'd stacked a bunch of topsoil bags up there and we were getting ready to work on the garden. And I asked Olivia, my daughter, if she'd bring them down the stairs to me. I said, just be careful. I don't want you to fall. And I don't know how she did this, but all of a sudden I hear, oh, and she fell over the, over the bags of soil off the side of the deck and landed with her side right down on top of the doghouse. So railings are important. Uh, hand, uh, you know, uh, it's the same set of steps that Becky fell down when she was pregnant with the twins because there was only one railing on the stairs instead of two. So just, you know, if you're building that kind of stuff, remember safety, right? Um, be careful with when you're grilling on your deck, that kind of stuff. I had to look up the stats because I like stats. 10,000 house fires in the U.S. every single year are caused by grilling too close to the house. So keep fire suppression equipment around. Pay attention to where you are. Don't let your barbecue get overly greasy because that's when you get the flare-ups. All of that kind of stuff. When you build your deck, don't do what I did. And uh, have a good night, Brian. It's nice to see you tonight. Uh, don't do what I did and make the, the deck just a little too small so you can't comfortably grill where you meant to. That kind of stuff. Just pay attention to that kind of things. Um, then a yearly, yearly coat of stain or either solid or semi-transparent. My dad used... Um, the Thompson's semi-transparent, I don't know if you want to call it stain or oil every year. It was like nutmeg or something. We did that for years and the deck stayed as good. And I mean, with the price of friggin' lumber, why not do something every year to invest in making sure it stays better, right? And it looks really, really good. Just be careful because especially that first year or as soon after uh, the 
the kind of the surface area kind of bubbles water when it freezes. And if it freezes quick, it can be like a curling rink and you can end up breaking a leg or something, but it's really good. Uh, so take your time, uh, take your gates, you know, once or twice a year, open them up, make sure they haven't sagged so you don't have to adjust them. You can get those kits that'll bring the sag out of uh, gates as well. Lubricate the hinges so they're not sque uh, squeaking all the time. And then check the, the latches because when gates get kind of out of square or a little bit saggy, that's when your latches start rubbing. That's when they get a little loose or they break or they don't uh, catch properly. And I've broken, I don't even want to know how many. It's just awful. It's, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just take your time. Look over that kind of hardware. Pay attention to it. Uh, look for rotten boards as well. If, if it's pressure treated and you're doing a really good job of keeping up on the, uh, you know, ceiling and that kind of stuff, you should be okay. But once or twice a year, just take a walk around and do it. Oh, Carrie says it's called a gate bra. <laughs> it's called a gate bra. Then see what reaction your wife said, has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And okay, this is a good one too. Um, Young Patriot says over on uh, PBN that they're considering composite deck boards. Now, if you guys have ever looked at those, they're pretty cool. They, when I used to sell them at the building supply, place they tended to be about two to two and a half times the price of deck boards pressure treated deck boards but they're really great they last in theory a long time way longer even than pressure treated deck boards and that kind of stuff but yeah so there's a mix they're really nice you can use hidden fasteners so there's no screw holes you don't deal with staples if you get the right color you end up not needing to deal with uh, the baking or the reflection of the sun a lot. You don't have to reseal them every year. Again, if you're dealing with an outdoor area that's maintenance-free, that can absolutely be the way to go. Trex is one of the big ones, and the stuff looks really sharp. It's a lot better now than it used to be. Um, Chris says, replace broken or rotten stuff. A board here and there is cheap. Yes, much cheaper than stepping through, hurting yourself, and being off work for six weeks as well. But yes, it, it, it's funny. We always talk about, you ever look at an old abandoned home? If somebody's not living in a home, the thing seems to fall apart almost instantly, simply because there's not somebody around doing the routine, regular maintenance. And just replacing one board, it's funny. They're over on the truck road here in my town. There's a house that has an old side deck on it that hasn't been touched in years. We've lived here eight years, and that deck in that time, because it hasn't been maintained, has gone from... A slight bow in the middle to completely collapsed, rotten, and fallen completely apart in those eight years. And I love looking at that stuff and seeing it. But that's how quick stuff can fall apart without any maintenance. And Loco says, three meters deep. Nice channel name for the frozen prairies. Yeah, that's actually really good. I like that. So next is storage. Two rules of storage here, guys, for outdoor stuff. Number one, nobody's ever going to say, gee, I wish... I didn't have as much storage as I have. I promise you, you'll never say it. But the flip side of that rule, or rule number two, is that no matter how much storage space you have, you always find a way to fill it. So what do you do about that? Well, number one, make sure you're rotating your stuff in and out of there. Don't, don't use your storage as just a place where you hold a whole bunch of shit just in case or for some day. Use it as, like we do, as seasonal storage or, you know, if you're using something now, have it out. And if you're going to use it later, put it in storage. 
go through it at least once a year. When uh, growing up, I worked at, or I, I used to help out at mom and dad's church quite a bit. And I remember one year, I was probably 18, 19, we went up in the attic storage area to bring down the Christmas decorations. We brought all the decorations down, opened up the boxes, and inside was what we thought were uh, cute little containers of Christmas decorations. We opened them up and they were cookies. They'd been in there for the whole year simply because nobody had been in there in a year. And the homemade cookies, they were like, I don't know, cranberry or something. They were right full of mold. <clears throat> but the chocolate cookies, like they're the ones you'd buy at a store-bought and they're shrink-wrapped in plastic, they look about as good as the day they were put up there. So I decided to eat a bunch of year-old cookies and nothing happened to me. But just a, just a cute little story to let you know, like go through your storage at least once a year. Purge, putting this episode together, I ended up coming up with a whole nother outline for another show down the road, simply about storage and that kind of stuff. But yeah, at least once a year, go through it. Uh, get creative with your storage too. A lot of times there's more space around than you might think. So in my garage, for instance, you know, <clears throat> my walls aren't insulated. So I put up strapping all the way along all of the studs. And that gives me a great space to put uh, like metal stock that I save from places, all my tools, my uh, paintbrush extensions, all that kind of stuff fit in there really, really nice until I insulate. Then we'll figure it out from there. How about up over the rafters? It's another good spot. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, just always think of these outside the spot. Yeah, Ted says old cookies. I have this tiny little space, probably two and a half feet wide between my storage container and my garage. And I built racking in there for all of my salvaged lumber. So just look around and find these places because quite often you realize or you find out, hey, I've got way more storage than I think of. Or have someone else walk around and be like, hey, where can I store this? You know, you might have room underneath of a deck. That might be a good spot. Or hang things on your fence. You know, when we had a pool in the backyard, we used to hang up all of the pool accessories on the fence. Just, just think about that kind of stuff. Uh, Chris says, those colored sticker circles are great for stuff that you never use or rarely. When you store it, put a color, a color on it. When you use it, put another color on it. In a year, you'll know the junk. That is an excellent tip. That Remember that, guys. 42 minutes in. If I remember, I'll go back and we'll, we'll make a recording of this. But yes, that is great. Um, and then when you're, you know, we have, let's see, I have my garage. I have a storage container. And then I have my wife's shed out there as well. So we have three areas to store things. Some of those are more permanent than others, of course. The storage container can be moved, but, you know. Oh, actually, we have another shed just outside my fence. So give some thought to where you're going to put it. The one shed I have is outside my fence. Nothing of any value goes in there. Just stuff like building materials I'm going to use, which I guess that does have some value. But if somebody walks off with it, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. But all of our expensive stuff is inside the backyard, in the in Becky's shed or in my garage or whatever. But take some time and plan out where you're going to put this stuff first. You know, think about, okay, is it in the shade side? And I know I always talk about snow, but where we put it is on the shaded side. And it takes a long time for that snow to melt. And it builds up there. So, again... Think about, do, do your sheds need to be 100% waterproof? Because I love the Costco sheds. I bought a tin one from there, and I bought a heavy-duty poly one from there. And they're great, but they're only about 98% waterproof, so or weatherproof. A little bit of water gets in. And if it's outdoor stuff, it's probably okay. But just, just think about it. Where are you going to place them? 
Is weather going to be a problem? Is sun going to be a problem? The whole works. Uh, pets. <laughs> you guys know I love my dogs. We just had babies. We had uh, two. Uh, Hazel had two puppies this week. Uh, we lost one. So we had three, but she has two now. They're really sweet. But yeah. And uh, Young Patriot says, I'll have to look at those sheds. If I think of it, Young Patriot, I'll send you a link to the one from Costco. Yeah, I love me some Costco too. We buy everything there. And this was absolutely worth it. This shed is incredible. The only thing I had to build, I really should have done a video on it. Maybe I will this year. The only thing I had to build was a wood platform to set it on. But I don't think I could have built a shed the size that came from Costco with wood for what I spent on that vinyl shed from Costco. And it's a really good one. The little tin ones, I mean, they come in a tiny little box. When you put it together, just expect that it's going to take about three days or two days anyway. I was like, yeah, there's no way it'll take that long. Yeah, it does. It literally comes in like two foot by two foot chunks of tin and you just build the whole thing. And it's a pain in the ass. But at least if the holes don't line up, you can drill them and put them together. So depending on how big your animals are and you got a fenced in area, walk your fence at least once a month. Look for ways for those damn pets to escape. My little Maisie, she is an escape artist. Last year, I had to pull my Costco fence uh, shed out about three feet from the house so that I could work on getting the siding behind my exterior fence. So for one day, I had the main post disconnected from the house. There was a gap just big enough for her. And I look outside and there she is walking around the front yard. So just pay attention. <laughs> Whenever you open up an area, just, you know, block it off so the damn dogs can't get through there. I'm telling you. Uh, stay on top of shit. Literally, don't be lazy about picking up dog poop because there's nothing that ruins an outdoor a good afternoon in the outdoor than walking into a little doggy bomb. And if you live, here's here's a tip for people who maybe live in apartments or have like kind of confined areas, but take a look at these outdoor doggy pee boxes. I built one for a customer uh, a couple of years ago now. We made it out of pressure treated. I can't remember exactly how the whole thing worked, but it was framed up out of pressure treated lumber. You put indoor outdoor carpet in it, then some gravel in the bottom. And then you had kind of a funnel so that it would go to the bottom and the pee would run out, but you could also wash it out and it give the dog a place to go poo as well. So if you live like up on a, like a second or third story apartment and you don't always want to go out with your dog, don't know why, anyway, whatever, but they're really handy. So if you live in a confined space or it's cold and you want a place to keep your dog from going messing everywhere else, see if you can train them. It's like an outdoor litter box, but it's like indoor outdoor carpet. It's great. Um, yeah, and just make sure you got a safe place for them to get out there, be idiots, and explore. Because you want it to be safe for you, and you want it to be safe for your pets. Now, security. Uh, oh, yes. And Chris says they're great for training puppies as well. I bet they are. That's true, although I can't seem to train mine. Hey, John Palmer, how are you? So, security. This is another thing for outdoors. Um, put up. We, we may have talked about this a little bit when we are dealing with just the exterior of the home. But make sure you have your entire outdoor area. I'm trying to think. Somebody on the Survival Podcast, one of the experts, did a, a whole segment on setting up your security cameras. But just pay attention to where you set them up. You know, four or five cameras, usually depending on how your property set up, is enough to kind of fan out from your home and encapsulate the whole area. But a tip that I learned, go up, mount the camera where you want. And if they're the type that you can monitor from your phone, Go up there, go up the ladder, have the camera up on your phone, 
and then adjust the camera so that you can watch it in real time on your phone so you can see what the camera is actually seeing so you don't have to run to the basement or run to wherever to monitor it. And it's a quick way to make sure you've got the best field of vision, your best angles, and the most um, overall best coverage area, all of that. And it's a quick thing to do, but it's worth having. I love them. Uh, now, something else. When I built my fence, I was going to put a gate out on the street side. And then I really thought about it. And I'm like, how often am I going to need that? And, and I really don't think I would have. So I didn't even put it into my fence. Now, if you have one, maybe consider locking it from the inside all the time so that, you know, ne'er-do-wells can't get into your backyard. But make it as difficult as you can. When you build a fence, make sure the cross pieces are on the inside. Man, we just had a whole bunch of uh, messages come through there. Um, so, yeah, make sure the cross pieces are on the inside so that, again, Bad guys are more difficult to have to climb into the back. Um, Carrie says, Grumpy EMT speaking here. Make sure your host number is... Yes, this is great. We're going to... I don't think we're going to make it through everything tonight either, guys. Make sure your host number is visible by the road and posted on both sides of the mailbox. If allowed, painted on the curb is handy too. A good redundancy. Oh, and... Well, I might as well give up right now because Chris just uh, stole my last tip I was going to say. But yes, this is absolutely important. And something that nobody does in Alberta, we have back alleys everywhere. And most people live in the back alleys. For or, uh, Most people park in the back alleys. That's where their driveways are. And that tends to be one of the more accessible areas. And what ends up happening, and this is obviously not as life and death as EMTs, but say you'll sell something online and somebody needs to come to your house to pick it up. Well, most people use their back door, park in their back alley, and come and go that way. But the only place that has a host number is the front of the house. So I put my numbers in big old uh, numbers on the, my back fence as well, front and back. So yeah, it just make sure your home is able to be found. And you know, like Carrie says, just just because they have GPS right now doesn't mean it's going to always be working, or they're even going to have time to look. So yes, uh, Dan W. says, right below your porch light is a good spot for host numbers. Absolutely. <laughs> John says, paint it mine in 12-inch numbers across the driveway. Also good. And Carrie says, uh, often alley access is easier for me moving people on stretchers. All of that makes sense. I never even thought about host numbers. Thank you, Carrie, for that. But yes, that's super important and for practical reasons too, right? Um, and we did a whole episode on home security a while back, and it was great. Go back and check it out. I think I've actually done two episodes. One I did, and then we had Tactical Redneck come on talking about tactically accessing, assessing your property for security, and it was a really good episode too. But, you know, don't leave ladders near your home. Uh, put thorn bushes under your windows to make things difficult. Don't leave valuables out in the open. You know, expensive gear. Everybody has stuff out during the day. But even something as simple as you're working in the backyard and you left your garage open, somebody drives by. Right now, the cost of fuel, I'm kind of concerned about all my fuel storage. So make sure things are locked up. I just ordered make security, uh, what it, forced system compliance. Paul Harrell talks about that. He talks about your everyday carry firearm, making sure it's small enough that you're going to carry it. Because a firearm at home does you no good if you're out and around. And that's the same with a lock on a garage door, for instance. I tend to be kind of lazy about locking my garage door because I don't want to carry a key with me. So I thought, well, how can I solve that? Well, I just ordered 
a uh, push button deadbolt. So now I can lock it 24 seven and all I need is the key code to put in to open it. Simple little things like that. Make security easy for you, make security difficult for the bad guy, all of that. Um, yeah, gardens. So, and if Car yeah, Carrie's still in here. He, he is our, our local permaculture expert. So he'll know a lot more about this than I will. But a few tips I've learned is uh, use mulch. Man, I'm telling you, especially like we out here when humidity is like basically zero and we've had a dry summer, you can almost see the water evaporating. And if you're trying to, you know, water a garden, it's really cool. So we have a, a westerly facing garden on the front of the house. And the first year we didn't have mulch on it and we would water it and it would dry right out. And then the last couple of years, we've used that nice colored bark mulch and we love it. And of course, the added benefit is that it keeps so much moisture into the garden. Like you can, you can water it and two, three days later, dig it up and it's still a little bit of dampness there. And just to back up right quick, Ted says, um, oh boy, I don't even know if I can pronounce that, but he says the thieves will move on if they have to deal with uh, Bougainvillea. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that's like a... Um, I'm guessing it's a thorn bush, and I'm sure I absolutely butchered the uh, pronunciation there. So sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, so a few things. Use mulch. It helps keep the water in. It makes it look really good. It protects the plants. Uh, make sure your edges are really defined because uh, there's so many times I've gone to houses and they're like, can you fix up my garden? And they never put any kind of edging. So you can use that plastic edging, which is great. But I really prefer like a couple of layers of kind of decorative wood of some sort or another but because if not you end up your garden goes into your grass your grass goes into your garden you're always fighting with it but if you define those edges right away you'll have a lot less problem perennials of course are a lot less work we try to design almost all of our gardens here becky has some really nice flower gardens pretty much everything is perennials so that we don't have to plant every year we did a few annuals last year um, in some pots but for the most part, we try to stick to perennials. Um, we do some hanging plants, though, or hanging pots. Those are great. I love them. They look really good, and they they hold their color all year. But again, you got to throw them away at the end of the year. One other thing, and again, for my friends down in Tennessee where it rarely ever freezes, you might laugh at this, but make sure you move those pots before they freeze. So confession time, but we had this great big, it was like a feeder that um, horse mineral came in. And we used it to build a really nice kind of flower pot this year. And it was great. And Becky said, "Hun, make sure you move that before it freezes so that it's not there all winter. Well, guess what's still sitting there right now with a great big hump of ice on it because I didn't listen to her. So make sure you move that shit before winter gets here. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen to your wife and trip over it and slip over it all year long or all winter long. Sorry. And use weed cloth. Man, I'm telling you, again, this is from experience. A lot of times in my life, I half-assed gardens, didn't use weed cloth, and I absolutely paid for it. Young Patriot said they ran into the same situation. I'm guessing we're talking about frozen pots there because, yeah. But, yes, always use weed cloth for everything. I used it for that decorative rock that I put back in as my very first job five years ago at the computer store. And it's still just about weed-free. And then people be like, but you get weeds sometimes. Well, you do, but the only weeds you're going to get are going to be little tiny ones that grow in on top and they're easy to deal with. Uh, trees, shrubs, hedges, 
remember, you know, trees, shrubs, and hedges, they take years to fill in. They're absolutely one of those things that, you know, so out front, I have a hedge that runs almost to my neighbor's fence line. There was one area, somebody must have cut it down at, at one time or another. And where this will be my fourth summer living here, and it's just starting to fill in enough. So be patient with growing things like that. Uh, Dan, Dan W says a double layer of weed barrier is worth every penny. And for the most part, weed cloth is cheap anyway. So yes, double it up if you have to. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a super good investment. Um, invest in a pole saw. You guys will probably, you'll thank me for this, but get yourself a battery powered pole saw because first off, it's a hell of a lot of fun to play with. And secondly, it sure beats climbing up a ladder and using a chainsaw. I had two occasions where I was up a ladder with a chainsaw, went to cut a limb off, rolled the ladder, <clears throat> had to jump clear of the ladder with a chainsaw in my hands. It sounds like the makings of a movie. It wasn't a good day. So invest in yourself. You know, whatever, whatever battery platform you have, I can almost guarantee there's a pole saw available and they're worth every penny. Um, quick tip about hedges and that kind of stuff. When you're cutting them, go slow. Take a little bit at a time because you can always cut a little bit more, but you can never put back. But it's okay though. If you do cut too much, not a big deal. It will grow back eventually. Uh, Dan W says it makes repairs and removal so much easier, especially with rock. Yes. Talking, I'm assume we're talking about uh, weed barrier there as well. And yes, it does because another great thing about when you put decorative rock down over weed barrier is that the rock doesn't become one with the dirt, silt, and mud that's below it. It leaves a separate layer and you're able to pull it back off. It can be a pain in the ass trying to cut through when you're shoveling, but that's another story. But yes, overall makes it way better to deal with. And I think, well, we'll see how many of these tips we can get through, but I, I ended up having, uh, I think, let's see, 20 tips, random tips. So we'll work through them. If you guys have any more, holler them at me. But uh, I mentioned splitters. Also, invest in good quality, quick connect hose connections and thank me later. I switched to them about five years ago. I put, it's like uh, Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. I put them on my uh, outdoor uh, outdoor spigots. I put them on my hose nozzles. I put them on my garden hoses. I put them on my pressure washer. I had one person say they didn't use it on their pressure washer because it reduced the flow. I haven't had that problem. But I'm telling you, once you invest in some of those quick connections, you're never ever going to want to go back to hand screwing and hopefully making it tight, that kind of stuff. But get them. Uh, then when it comes to garden hoses and garden nozzles, buy the best, thickest one you can in, you can afford. Again, nobody will ever say, man, I wish I'd have bought a cheaper hose. But I can promise you, you'll say many times in your life, speaking from experience, I wish I'd have bought a better hose. Because the cheap ones, they get those little aneurysms in them. They blow up, they split, they break, they kink. They're just absolute junk. So don't do it. Friends don't let friends buy cheap garden hoses. Trust me, that's one place to spend money. Um, another quick tip, always relieve the pressure in your hose when you're done. Don't leave the tap on. Number one, you leave the tap on. Say your hose splits while the tap's on. Well, now you're going to have a constant running flow of water that can flood your basement. But also, turn the tap off, then go to the end of the hose and hit the spray nozzle to relieve the pressure. What that does, of course, is it helps relax the hose and it tends to not want to split or blow up. 
uh, when you roll up your hose at the end of the year, lift it up and then roll it so that the water goes downhill out the hose and keep doing that till you get to the end and you'll have almost a water-free hose. And then to keep them from leaking, take the male end, the female end, screw them together nice and tight. Then you can put them away, hang them on a shelf, whatever. It works great. Let's get rid of our little spammer scammer here, guys. Block user. See you later. And you're gone. All right. Uh, number five, keep spray paint around. I use spray paint to recoat all the metal surfaces on all my tools every spring. So like anything metal on garden tools I use, my, uh, what else? Uh, and my wheelbarrow. Those are the ones that I respray every year and it helps extend the life of all of it. it. Makes it look good, keeps the rust down, helps dirt from sticking to it, all of that. Also, uh, if you've had, you know, you know those, pretty much every wheelbarrow comes with a tubeless tire, at least they used to. Do yourself a favor and put a tube in it right away. You won't be disappointed. You'll be way less likely to spring a leak. You're not going to have to deal with making sure it's 100% properly seated around the rim. All kinds. Uh, so Carrie Brown asks, what type of paint do you use for a tool coating? Now, I'm not sure if this is the right answer, but I use the cheapest rust coat paint I can find. My local home hardware, that's a Canadian hardware store up here. They have Rust Coat. I think that's their brand. And I use it all the time and it works great. Uh, Rust-Oleum is really good. I've used it before, but it tends to be a little more uh, expensive. But yeah, uh, Cameron, howdy. How are you? That's great to see. Um, oh, I think Cameron, sorry. Yeah, I think that's also Young Patriot from EBC. Nice to see you. Or from the... Um, from uh, PBN over there. So nice to have you in here. And Chris says, uh, if you have wooden handles, coat them with linseed oil in the fall. Absolutely. That's one thing that I've been a little lazy with, but it's a great tip. So yes, and, and it's a great way to extend the life of all your tools. Treat the handles and treat the metal. But yeah, I just, I tend to buy, so for the record, I keep white, black, and red spray paint around. And that tends to be all you need for any, I mean, whatever. The colors don't really matter, but I like to have certain colors. And those three seem to fit the bill. And what I do is I keep an eye on the flyer. And when they come on sale, I'll buy half a dozen cans of each one. And I just keep them around and I use them. They work great. Most of them are self-priming. Just get rid of the loosest, nastiest of the, of the rust. But yeah, other than that, go for it. Uh, so um, work, here's another one, work with the sun. So pay attention, I mean, you know, if if you're in a big open field, you don't have much luck there. But like with me, when I was working on the siding, I would try to time it so that I would work on the side of the house that was in the shade when that part was in the shade and then work your way around. Uh, Martinson family says, I need handles for my composite wheelbarrow. They were half gone when I got the, the unit thrift store cruising. Yes. Well, you might be able to make something. I'm sure you could just, uh, you know, if, if you're going to make something out of wood, use uh hardwood or, or have somebody fashion you some out of metal if it's not too expensive on uh, tip number eight buy yourself a bulk pack of washer uh, of of garden hose washers i those are the things i'm always looking for a lot of times you'll get two two extra ones when you buy a new hose i take them and throw them in a drawer but do yourself a favor for like two bucks you can buy a great big sheet of them Buy about three sheets of them, or even better, do what I do. And at the end of the season, 
buy a metric shit ton of them and throw them in your drawer because for whatever reason, I lose them almost as often as I lose the, the little stopper coins that go into jerry cans. Um, oh, and uh, J Jason says, I do the same, Tim, with the bottom of my plow and even tools that hit dirt. Yes, just paint them up. And again, they last longer because you're you're inhibiting the rust and you're not allowing it to eat away at the tool. Um, now, here's another one for you. If you have hornet's nests, use a shop vac to get rid of them. Put a little bit of water and some dish soap in the bottom of your shop vac and then build an extension as long as you need. Stand back and suck the shit out of that hornet's nest. It works great. I got a video on it. It's one of the best things I ever built, but they're a lot of fun. So, yeah who, you know, you never like having to deal with hornet's nests. So if you can separate yourself from the situation, go for it. Invest in a pooper scooper, your back will thank you. I don't really need to say any more than that. But $30 pooper scooper can make you two, $3,000 in a summer easily. I usually charge $100 a yard to pick up poo. Uh, it usually takes me an hour to an hour and a half when I'm doing it for customers. And just use it. Hey, Joseph, how are you? Uh, Jason says an ammo can, here we go. Let's bring that up. Am, ammo can on the tractor. You can use those to keep pins and washers. That is great. What a great little hack. I love that because there's always a little bit of hardware that you're going to end up losing or, you know, it's, it's going to fall out in the field when you're working. That's a great thing. You could even, uh, bolt down or screw down through the ammo can if you had to, or strap it on or something. Um, this is another one. Dad taught me this, and I always make sure I follow it, though, is wash your gear before you put it away. Take five minutes, flip your lawnmower over, rinse off all that nasty grass, because if you don't, in a week, when it's set there and eaten at the paint and rusted, you're going to need, uh, you know, an air hammer to chip it all out of there, because it's going to be baked on, and it's going to be nasty. So absolutely, yes, use it. Um, wash it up. Same goes for tillers and... Yes, Cameron says, always wash your gear. Also, it's just uh, common courtesy, but if you rent stuff, when you take the rental back, make sure you top up the fuel and make sure you give it a wash off because especially if you live in a small town, they remember that kind of stuff. They remember if you treat it well and they remember if you treat it poorly. And if you treat it well, they're more likely to bend over backwards and you know do favors for you later on, right? So just take care of it, make sure it's in good shape, treat it like it's your own. Um, let's see, have a place to keep all your garden tools and know where they go. I mentioned that before, but again, what's great about that is you can just run into your shop and you're like, ha, my kid never brought back my shovel. It's missing. And then, you know, <laughs> and then you go look for it and they're like, I never took it dad. And yeah, well, you know how it goes, uh, from there water in the morning or the evening as early or as late as you can, because again, especially in the evening, then you got all overnight for that water to go down in. Uh, Jason says you can also keep voltage voltage testers. Man, I'm having trouble tonight, guys. Voltage testers for your high voltage fences as well. That's great. I love it. Man, you guys are full of good tips tonight. Um, and if you have to spray something, even more than watering, but if you have to like spray, I know this is uh, you know, an evil word, but pesticides or fertilizer, any of that kind of stuff, do it in the early evening or the late evening, early morning or late evening, because that tends to be the time that there's the least amount of wind. So just make sure you do that. Um, let's see, what else we got? Uh, keep a weather journal. That way you can be disappointed when the weather's bad and you can look back. Like I had an elderly customer who uh, hollered out the window to me yesterday and she's like, Tim, 
I just want to let you know that today, last year, I was planting snow peas. And this year on this day, you're here with a skid steer clearing out my driveway. But all kidding aside, a weather journal is great. I got that idea from Amy Dingman uh, at Farmer's Kind of Life. She does that kind of stuff, a journal period. But it's just nice to be able to look at your trends over the years. You can put other stuff too, like when you fertilized, you know, when you water, any of that kind of stuff. Um, always trim less than you need. I've said that before, but when you're doing hedges, you're better off to do a small trim three or four times a year than to try to do one big trim because you can end up really hurting the, the, uh, the hedges. And remember, it takes years to shape hedges. You can't do it overnight. I've got one over here that was let go for quite a few years. And I've now been able to work on it for four summers in a row. And it's finally beautiful, nice and flat and level. Looks really good. But remember, that kind of stuff takes patience. Uh, here's another one for you. When you're building a fence for your backyard, whatever, always build a bigger gate than you think you're going to need. If Kerry Brown's still in here, he can tell you all about it. He, he built an entire business around people having too small a gate because the big companies couldn't get in there with their backyard mowing equipment. So he just went in with a push mower and made his money. But I'm telling you, you'll never, you'll never regret building a bigger gate than you think you need. Um, and then number 20, last tip, at least of the regular uh, outdoor tips, sod, sod is cheaper and easier than you think. I was always intimidated by sod because I'd never worked with it before. But it is a wonderful, blessed thing to work with. I'm telling you right now, if you have the option, look around price sod. It's not as expensive as you think. It goes down quick. It's forgiving. As long as you give it plenty of water, at least for the first month, you're done. Like I did one last year for a lady and, you know, long before the summer was over, you're able to walk on it. I mean, you can walk on it immediately, but it is, I just, I love sod. It is just a beautiful thing. Um, and uh, it is a little bit. Yeah, I come back around with it. Sometimes that happens. Uh, Chris says, uh, keep track of fog for moisture in 90 days. I've done so for a couple of years now, and it's within a day or two here. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yes, yeah, so I know I've, I harp on sod, but I'm telling you right now, my whole backyard is going to be, and I love it. And if you use it, so what's so cool about it is it's, you just cut it. Like, I mean, you just cut it with a utility knife or an edger. And you can piece it together. So there's really no waste. And yeah, anyway. And then I put together, I think I got six kind of preparedness tips as well. Something I always try to end the show. Just kind of, I don't know, either looking at, I hate to say a shit hits a fan situation, but we are a prepper channel and I love talking about that kind of stuff. But how about some things that'll help us be a little more self-sufficient? That's what we'll say. But number one, Learn how to grow a veggie garden before you need to rely on it. It's, you know, how many people say, well, I'm going to buy all the seeds. And if the world ever goes to hell in a handbasket, I'll have them and I'll grow them. Well, I'm telling you, that might be good and well. But if you have the space, the time and the desire, learn how to garden today instead of when you need to. Because if you know how to do things, uh, <laughs> And before they're stressful, you'll be able to repeat it when times are tough. I am telling you. Oh, yeah. Cameron says, uh, first time growing last year. Congrats, man. That is awesome. I love it. And yes, uh, <laughs> Joseph, man, he, I want to tell you, I forgot. Yeah, Joseph has some beautiful looking, uh, I don't know if you'd call it, gar what would you call it, Joseph? Garden rows. Anyway, great big areas. And like he said, 
there's a huge learning curve to gardening because there just is. I mean, it's like that with any process, but yeah, just take your time, learn how to garden ahead of time so that, boy, you know, if inflation ever gets out of control, Jesus, it's happening now, isn't it? Anyway, but if it does, then you can grow your own shit and you know how to do it and save your seeds, right? Number two, build an edible backyard. Joseph said it's his fourth year doing it serious. And yeah, it's, we're getting back into it again. Oh, this is great. Jason says, dig the well before you're thirsty. Yes, absolutely. So true. Because then when you're thirsty, imagine trying to dig a well when you're dry. Yeah, yeah. Patience is key too, Chris says. So build an edible backyard. And there's so much you can do. Even when you live in a crazy place where the wind hurts your face, you can grow a lot. I looked tonight and pecans can grow in our climate. That kind of surprised me. But you can grow nuts and berries and fruit and herbs. Becky just ordered, I'm pretty excited, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries, all of which will actually grow here. So I'm excited. You know, if you live in a tiny little suburban area, can you grow everything you need to live? Probably not. Just like James over in PBN says, don't look at foraging as a way to feed your entire family, but you can definitely supplement your food with it. And that is what a backyard garden can do. Um, and uh, Cameron says, perennial vegetables. I had no clue veggies come back the next year. Actually, I think I had that in here. or might I might have meant to and didn't finish it. But yeah, um, I cannot. But yes, there are a bunch of perennial vegetables that just keep coming back. Uh, herbs are a good example of that too. But yeah, there's a bunch of that stuff. So look into it. Um, design it to discourage unauthorized entry. We talked about that a little bit before, but you know, when you're doing your landscaping and you're putting in like your focal points, big trees and, and maybe beautiful rose bushes, just design it so that people don't want to come in your area. If, if you have like for a while back a few years ago, we had these, I hate to call them gangs, but they're organized crime rings that would go through all these small towns and they'd go up and down the back alleys looking for vulnerable properties. So design your property so that they're not, you're not encouraging unauthorized entry. Uh, Joseph said, I've planted 11 more fruit trees this spring and to go with the nine from last year, we may squeeze in a couple more in a week or so and be done for the spring. We intend to do 10 every year for 10 years. That is awesome. I love hearing that. That just makes me smile. We're like three months away from being able to plant here, at least. <laughs> the ground is so frozen. It's so bad here that they will not rent the gas-powered auger until May long weekend. So that's like May 25th. That's when they're sure the frost is out of the ground enough that you're not going to break off their auger bits. It's just kind of funny. Um, develop safe areas to cook and grill outside year round, that kind of stuff. But, you know, just these simple little things. Like if you're building the fire pit, develop the fire pit so that on the 0.1% of 0.1% chance that eventually you might need to cook out there in order to eat. Just think about that kind of stuff, you know, make it comfortable, make it a great outdoor living space, but also make it an area that you could literally cook on or boil water on or wash your clothes on, whatever you need to do, right? Design your water fixtures that, as something that'll double as storage, whether it's a pond or in our case, a hot tub or a fountain, any of that. Look at all of those as both, you know, something to enjoy Honestly, not everything in prepping and preparedness should have a couple of uses. 
one everyday use and one a survival use. And even a hot tub. I got thinking about this the other day. Hot tubs are great, but if you ever needed water, I can haul water out of that, run it through my Berkey filter, and it'll be as good as gold. And uh, Cameron says, yeah, I wish I had land someday. And so here's the thing. We don't always, I don't know how to, how to put this properly, but you know, we're all in different stations of life and we all end up in different places, living in different areas. But the one thing that we can do is control what we do. And even if you don't have land, you know, you could look at um, storage or you could look at uh, gorilla gardening, or you could maybe look at foraging more or maybe finding some land you know you, you never know you might even be able to find somebody that has some empty land that it's like hey if i garden on here and split the, the produce with you will you let me just that kind of stuff or go and meet your uh, local farmers markets or in my case we have hutterites here talk to them about buying bulk vegetables and storing them that kind of stuff um Carrie says, I'm looking at building an all-in-one fire station for cooking, making charcoal, smoking, and doing rendering. Love it. That is awesome. And Jason says, idea. We do old hay bales with mushroom spawn, just as our rabbit rabbit barrier for our garden. Well, that's great. So it's <laughs> that's so it acts as a barrier for your garden to keep the rabbits out, but you can also grow mushrooms out of it if I'm hearing that properly. See, two is one, one is none, that kind of stuff. And yes, uh, Chris says, talk to people. You'll be surprised who will be on board with your vision. And yeah, uh, Cameron there. See, I, my favorite thing that happens in these shows is when we discuss things with people and all of a sudden they have a eureka moment. Oh, that's he said, that's a good idea. I have a neighbor with a ton of land, does nothing with it. Here's another thing. Now, you, this may not be your cup of tea, but um, oh, I just saw Studio 8424 over on Float. They've got us uh, running on their uh, multi-stream live stream. So if you've ever gone over there, but if you get into property management and you end up looking after a whole bunch of empty properties like I do, that's all unused land. I'm going to plant some gardens in some of them this year. And you know what? If the house sells before, well, that's part of it. But if it doesn't, I have a huge windfall of, you know, easily growable plants or vegetables that you don't have to worry about. Just some, there's always a ton of ways to think about it, right? And then the last thing is make the best use of your space. And if you have a really tiny space, there's a bunch of things you can do. Now, I tried those potato boxes where you keep covering them in and going higher and higher. I didn't have real good luck with them. Some people do, but that's a good way to grow a lot of potatoes in a compact space. Square foot gardening, we tried that a couple times. If you haven't done that before, check out the book. It's a really cool concept. Vertical gardening is great. Wicking beds are awesome. I'm going to rebuild some new wicking beds this year. I'm really excited about those. I won't go into them too much this year because, or tonight because we've gone a ways already. Uh, how about hanging pots or five-gallon buckets on your fence and growing and things like that? And then I was home a few or back to Nova Scotia a few years ago, and my buddy Danny, he had built this entire, it was so cool, this whole wall of pot bottles that he was able to grow herbs in. So there's so many ways to think up and grow up instead of growing out and using the compact space that you have. Um, so uh, Jason says, Cameron, lots of old farmers that would love to teach or lend you cheap land cheap. Absolutely. Just, yeah. And depending on where you live, you know, there could be a community garden nearby where you can, you know, work something out with them or maybe 
like a local park that, that you might say, hey, I would love to put up a, a display garden, you know, and, and show, oh, whatever, you never know. Or the local library, maybe you could deal with them and say, hey, I'd like to plant a garden here and teach the local kids how to do it. And then maybe keep the vegetables. Who knows, right? And then Joseph says, getting a full weed barrier down on my entire garden and four inches of mulch have been a massive time saver. I'm telling you, mulch is where it's at. And yes, weed barrier is awesome too. And if, if you take a minute or add, add Joseph on Facebook, you'll see some cool pictures. But I love seeing when he, he was working on the garden last year. And it's just a beautiful thing that he built. But yes, that weed barrier is awesome. And if you haven't done it, you know, lay down the weed barrier and just cut a little hole in it and plant through it mulch right up to it and you will absolutely be happy with your results and look into wicking beds too they're so great i i love them maybe we'll do a whole episode on i don't know growing outside the box or something i don't know but it'll be great and uh, chris says be a part of the community garden lend some muscle and even if you don't plant there you have a great resource to trade seeds look into saving seeds as well if you've ever done it, it some people do it with great success. Some people not so much. You just never know. If you guys have any other tips, throw them up here while we're at it too. But there's there's just so many things that you can do. And I I, think I got kind of excited about this episode because it has been a long winter. I'm sure Chris would agree with me. On Monday, I took a, I, I picked Monday because it was the first day above freezing to go check on all my bank properties. It was supposed to be sunny. I got halfway away from home, so basically exactly halfway, so as far away from home as I can get. I hit freezing rain. I hit extreme winds. It started picking up the snow from the side of the road, blowing it out on the pavement. It turned everything to a frozen sheet of slush. The transport trucks in front of me were all over the road. It was some of the worst driving I've ever seen. By the time I got home, the highway had drifted over. So a two-lane road was down to about half of a lane. It was miserable. I just, I am so done with winter. I cannot wait to get outside and start working on this stuff. And you guys who live down south, you're lucky. I appreciate, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. I love, I love seeing it. It reminds me of what we got coming up here too. And thanks, Cameron. I appreciate uh, the, the support. Just, you know, you guys keep coming back and keep sharing all this stuff because this is what I love. This is what I, two years ago, this is what I envisioned when I started this was, Having a community where I can teach, but I learn at least as much as I teach and hopefully more. And you guys can teach me and teach each other and interact and share. And Cameron, uh, if you didn't hear me earlier, but if you want to, uh, and if you're on Telegram, add, add yourself to the Telegram group because we'd love to have you over there. Any questions, throw them at me. So that is it for my content. I didn't think we'd get through it, but... Man, oh, Joseph's got five inches of snow coming tomorrow. We got eight inches on uh, last Friday. I'm done, done. That was the most snow we got all winter. But uh, yeah, so if you want to know more about who I am, what I do, if, well, if you're already on the YouTube channel, great. If you're listening to this on audio, come by the YouTube channel some evening. Or we're on YouTube, we're on Float, we're on Odyssey, we're on uh, the EOC through PBN. That's the Prepper Broadcast Network. So there's lots of ways. I'm going to eventually expand, and we're going to start uh, streaming on Rumble as well. But for now, that's the way to find me. So where to find me next? Let's see. What do we got coming up this week? I'm going to be live on Liberty Late Night tomorrow night. They're a really cool couple who do 
at least two live streams a week, including a really neat video commentary. I'm going to go on there. We're going to assume chat about liberty and freedom and the whole works. I love it. And yes, Carrie Brown, we do have a great community around here and you're a huge part of it and I appreciate it. So thank you guys. Um, what else do we have? Yeah. So then Sunday evening, actually I have a very special guest coming on this Sunday evening. It's going to be Mrs. Toolman, my wife. I've been wanting to get her in for a little while and we made time and she's going to come on and we're going to talk about our first year in business, our second business, the um, preschool that we built together, all of the struggles and rejoicing and lessons learned and everything else about building a business from scratch. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And yes, great contribution, guys. This was an awesome episode. And finally, for all my friends, well, whether you're listening on PBN tonight or you're thinking about it and you want to keep hearing all kinds of really cool, top quality preparedness content, the best way is to tune in to, well, who follows me on PBN? So tonight's Thursday, tomorrow's Friday. My friend, Carl A.D. Brown, The Strange Truth. He has a great podcast. And it's always a great, lively conversation centered around Christianity, preparedness, and of course, the news stories that nobody else wants to touch. So guys, I seriously say this all the time, but these are the highlights. Of my, I love this. It's so much fun. I enjoy our conversations. And... I know you guys could spend your time anywhere, and I am absolutely honored that you choose to come in here and hang out with this old fella for 90 minutes on a Thursday night. So thank you very much, guys. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. <laughs>